You are listening to Community Matters. School district budget votes are scheduled for Tuesday, May 17th across New York State. Superintendent Dr. Whitaker fills us in. So that I can actually hear you. All right. Well, All right. So we're making progress. Yep. And I might adjust, but I think you you're pretty okay. All right. But if you're, are you ready or? Yeah, sure. Hey, I'm always ready. I got a little thing at the beginning. We'll read it. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm there too. I'm like at my, like I said, draining is fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. We welcome Jamestown Public School Superintendent Dr. Kevin Whitaker back to the WRFA studios today. Welcome. Hey, Julia. Thank you. So, well, I see you regularly for school board meetings. It's been quite a few months since we've had you in to our studios to catch up on what's happening in the district. But that said, it's quite timely to have you in today because now it is officially May, and that means it's budget vote month for school district across New York State. So... Tell us, what are we looking at for the proposed 2022-23 uh, budget for that people will be voting on Tuesday, May 17th? Sure. Yeah, well, good to see you again, Julia. We see each other every couple of weeks, but nice to be back in the studio, frankly. Um, I'm uh, Personally, I'm just on the, on the recovering side of COVID, so I happen to enjoy that experience not at all. And um, I'm glad to be up and about and and uh, be able to be here with you today. So as far as the budget is concerned, it's a it's a $93.8 million budget, roughly. And uh, we have a few focus areas. The, the first, and, and you know, two of these are probably very obvious to folks. One is that we've suffered a great deal of learning loss over the course of the past two years of the pandemic. It's been pretty significant. And that's been part of the news, uh, both locally statewide and nationally. The impact that COVID has had on student learning has been tremendous. The second thing is that it has had a huge impact on mental health in general. And I think that's true across the board from kids through adults. Um, But our our kids especially are struggling with some mental health struggles, uh, anxiety, depression, and a number of other issues. Um, And these have uh, uh, had an impact on academics and on learning. Um, You know, if anyone has ever looked at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you have to be secure and safe before you can begin to learn. And if you feel anxiety or you're struggling with mental health issues, it's very difficult to learn. So those are two pretty significant parts of the budget that I'll talk about in a minute. And then the third part is that we have a responsibility to our taxpayers. So we've got to make sure that we um, provide the services that we need to our kids uh, and take care of our taxpayers, not only now, but into the future. So we have to look forward into the future. And one of the things that um, people are aware of is that we have received, as has the state, federal monies uh, to help cope with the impacts of the pandemic. And um, what we don't want to do is spend all of the money during the time that we are receiving it, which is essentially next year and the year after. What we want to make sure that we do is we use this money not only to address student needs, but to address that third point in the budget, which is to take care of our taxpayers into the future in five and 10 years and not use up this money while we have it, but instead save it for later so that we can smooth out the inevitable, and everyone who lives in New York knows this, to smooth out the inevitable downturn in income that will likely come over the course of the next five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the big things that, was talked about at uh, budget meetings with uh, finance director Brittany Spry. It was that 
this budget includes hiring is is it 40 44 new employees in the district sure yeah and it depends on how you how you look at that because some of them are, are already current employees it would be some transitioning into new roles for a period of time we um in an effort to address the um uh, behavioral and mental health concerns, we have a couple of things that we're doing. The first is um, adding social workers <clears throat> to our staff, um, additional social workers, additional paraprofessionals. Now, the idea around the paraprofessionals is that they will act as what I'm calling behavioral first responders. So um, when in our current uh, setup, we don't have a lot of layers between uh, classroom and principal. And oftentimes this means, especially at the elementary level, that the principal is tied up throughout the entire day navigating behavioral issues rather than focusing on instructional and learning issues. So um, one of the layers is our behavioral first responders, and these are paraprofessionals who will be trained to help de-escalate students and to help calm them down before delivering them to school psychologist, counselor, um, uh, a TOSA that I'm going to talk about in a minute, and then ultimately the, the principal. It puts some layers of, of uh, intervention in between the classroom and the principal so that the principal can focus on that learning loss and instructional leadership. Additionally, um, around that uh, behavioral uh, and mental health component are social workers that I had just mentioned. So we have our, our social workers who will be uh, continuing to connect with home, being a liaison between home and school, students and community agencies for extra uh, mental health support. And uh, we are also looking to add TOSAs at the elementary level. And what TOSA means is teacher on special assignment. And what that means is that we will have teachers who will be in a role similar to a, a dean of students so that they can help to provide some leadership around um, student behavior and student mental health support uh, within the building. Now, on the academic side, we have uh, additional AIS teachers and reading teachers. So um, each elementary school will get an additional reading teacher to address the learning losses as it pertains to reading that we've seen. And AIS is an acronym that means Academic Intervention Services. And AIS is needed at the middle school and high school levels to support students who are struggling with state assessments and struggling with core classes. So those things are... Um, specifically aimed at the uh, academic side of things. Now, we also have uh, a proposal to add two navigators. We currently have two navigators, and that has been going very well. And uh, both our community and uh, our staff want to see that continue, the relationships being built with parents and kids, the impact on attendance and behavior has been positive. We want to keep that going. And then to address the third point, which is that uh, taxpayer uh, taking care of the taxpayer now and into the future, we have added uh, or, or are requesting to add, uh, requesting permission from the voters to add an equipment and a capital reserve so that we can take some of the money that we have received and put it into a reserve fund so that in the future we can continue to uh, purchase equipment and vehicles and those sort of maintenance items as well as be prepared for capital improvements without having to dip into a request to the taxpayers, especially the local taxpayers, for a tax increase. And you have other, um, when it comes to those capital funds, you have other ones before, but you have a limit that you can put into them, right? 
Yeah, and they're each limited by the proposal that's approved by the taxpayers. So for example, our capital reserve is capped at $5 million. And what that means is not that the maximum you can have in there is $5 million at any time. It's that you can't add more than $5 million over the course of the entire time that that capital reserve exists. So if you were to add piecemeal up to $5 million, that's all you can use it for. You can't add any more. If you were to add $5 million at one time, you can't add any more in the future. So you can't, say, have $5 million in there, spend a million, and then add a million because you, you've already added the $5 million. So that's it. And once it's used, it's used. Okay. Guess, yeah, because we, we were discussing several, uh, I think I'm trying to think of how many meetings ago it was where there was um, work being done at the high school at the pool, and that was pulling from an old that's capital right. reserve fund. And it was question was, oh, you know, that money's still out there and yet you're creating a new one but that's why because you got to spend down one but you always want to have another one exactly. going kind of exactly like right. I, it's it's a bad analogy but i call it like you know you hear about cd ladders like certificate deposits where you have one and you just keep building them and you have money that's <laughs> continuously available to you but that's that's a personal finance thing. yeah no <laughs> totally worries. different totally different from there are school lots finances. of regulations mm-hmm. in school finance and that's one of them right and and then I imagine that money that you know, you put in there, you often get money from the state that where the, the uh, district has a match. So you could use that money for the match for any capital um, improvement projects? Yeah. In this particular case, what we're discussing would be called building aid. And building aid is depending on the level of economic wealth or lack thereof, there is a level of support from the state for building uh, construction. And the, that construction fund in our case is 98%. So we receive 98% back on whatever we spend for a capital project, meaning that a reserve for us lasts significantly longer than it would for a place, say, in Westchester. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And thinking, you mentioned with a, you know, a couple of goals that this budget does is, you know, dealing with mental health, dealing with, um, you know, the, the slide in learning. And these are, I mean, these are issues that the district has been dealing with for quite a while. Before your time, I, mm-hmm. I had gone to a presentation by former superintendent, Dr. Apthorpe, talking about, you know, trying to reduce, at that point, we weren't, we didn't have pandemics. We were trying, mm-hmm. the school district was dealing with summer slide, trying to address those needs. And also, you know, helping students that were in situations where it was very difficult for them when they got to school to learn because of that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Things weren't at home, were maybe not what you would hope for a child, you know, the living situation, things that they were encountering in their day-to-day lives and how to deal with that. So I, I every once in a while, I, I pandemics are horrible things. Getting COVID, obviously hor- horrible. You don't want mm-hmm. to wish it on anybody. But if, you know, if not for you wouldn't see this money coming in that is going to at least, I mean, it's it's a problem that's been compounded, obviously. Exactly. But now you have some resources to, uh, you know, more easily address, it sounds like. That's right. Yeah, you're probably referring to ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And we have a very large percentage of students who have three or four or more ACEs. And ACEs are things like death in the family, poverty, uh, food scarcity, housing scarcity, abuse as a child. All those things are those adverse childhood experiences, and they directly impact 
the ability to both learn new information and retain information. So he absolutely was on the right track talking about that summer slide in uh, the terms of ACEs. However, this is a great opportunity to address that very same thing. It so happens that um, a pandemic will have a similar impact to childhood experiences, adverse childhood experiences, and the money that we are receiving in order to support kids through pandemic recovery is also going to be used to support kids through exactly that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, I mean, thinking about revenues, have you heard any more from New York State about what to expect for revenues in the new state budget or from the um, the MISO Small Cities lawsuit? Ah, yeah, there's a there's a complicated one. So what the what the state has told us is that we can anticipate additional revenues next year, the following year's budget. Um, We're always wary about that, but that's a promise that they've made. And one of the things that they're arguing in the the Maisto case is that because they have increased state aid to some small degree, that should take care of the Maisto cities. Therefore, we should dismiss this lawsuit. And obviously, the small cities attorneys disagree with that. And so we'll be continuing that process where it stands currently. And for those folks who are not familiar with the Maisto case, it is a lawsuit based on the CFE, which is the Campaign for Fiscal Equity lawsuit that was successful against the state that set, that involved all school districts that said the school funding formula was insufficient to provide a sound basic education, which is in the Constitution of the, of the uh, New York State. And so the state lost that case and had to rework the foundation aid formula. Um, they continued to fail to (laughs) provide certain districts with full funding. So uh, especially those small city school districts with um, low um, economic growth and high student need. And uh, Jamestown is one of those small cities. So the small cities group got together and said, hey, we're different from everybody else. We have a specific need we should get additional funding to address the needs that we just talked about um, in regard to ACEs, in regard to poverty, in regard to a number of other supports that our students need that other students in suburban areas and places like Westchester don't need. Um, So we ended up, after a couple of challenges, winning that court case and winning it on appeal uh, in a slam dunk fashion. The Court of Appeals essentially said, the state is completely wrong. Um, it was a unanimous vote. They sent it back to the trial court um, to address the inequity. And that's where we sit. We sit with the uh, appeals court saying to the state and to the attorneys for the small city school districts, resolve this issue, come up with a way to resolve it, give it back to us and we'll approve it and then we'll make it happen. At this point, the state is uh, attempting to stymie and delay with a variety of arguments that are in legal terms, specious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How much do you know how much more that you are getting from mm. the state in this year's budget? I should say this coming year's budget? Um, well, a, <clears throat> the combination between the state and the federal monies, and sometimes that's hard to distinguish because it flows through the state, is about $4 million. Mm-hmm. And um, what we are owed is uh, about $110 million over the course of the years. Do I expect that we would see $110 million out of this lawsuit? No, I don't. Um, But what I can tell you is, as experts look at what our needs are, 
um, they're looking at something like 15 to 20 million dollars uh, over the course of uh, each year's period in order to address the staffing needs, the, the things that we were talking about here in regard to mental health and academic support that we uh, currently aren't able to fund as a result of that lack of funding. Right. And and for listeners to remind them, the budget that they will be voting on is it's 98 million? 93. 93 million. 93.8. I mean, 93.8 million. Yes. So 10 million, 20 million in a year additional is that's is that's huge yes if i wasn't already sitting down i might fall off my chair <laughs> um just because when we're talking about small cities like jamestown uh, you know it's that is significant funding and obviously the courts agree that it's deserved so thinking about all right so we've taken care of some of the financials there mm. are there's one other thing that is on the ballot besides the budget and uh, um, the capital improvements fund what can you tell us about that one Sure. Well, there's two board seats that oh. are uh, open. Okay, and there's available. two more things on the ballot <laughs> besides yes. There's uh, there's two board seats. So we have Joe Pawlski and and Patrick Slagle who are running uh, for re-election. Um, that there are no other candidates. So uh, you know, I'm sure they would appreciate as would I the uh, positive votes in their direction. So they are, I know, committed to those three things that I already mentioned around um, mental health support, academic support, and taking care of the taxpayer. So there, there is that for sure. Um, tell me what the other oh, one the, is. What are you, what the, are you talking the about? The property acquisition. Oh, sure. Yes, right. Of course. So across the street from the high school, across Foot Avenue, is a... Uh, are really it's like two parking lots but it's a it's a square some of which is grass and and a lot of which is pavement that uh, was the church parking lot and they have for a number of years been good neighbors and allowed us to park there and by us I mean staff and students during the day but also parents and community members for various events whether it's sporting events or musical events or school events that sort of thing because as everyone knows parking in the city is very challenging. So uh, we have had the opportunity to purchase that plot of land to uh, make that our parking lot. And of course, we will continue to be good neighbors with them. And if they have major events on certain weekends or whatever, of course, they can use the parking lot for their purposes as well in the same way that they helped us out over the years. So um, it, it's one of those things where they don't they're not making any more land so when you have an opportunity to uh, buy some that you're already using and and rather than have that go uh, elsewhere to um, someone else and lose the use of that which is critical for us right now uh, it's a great opportunity for us to make that purchase it's two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars that we'll be able to to use and pick up pick up that property for perpetuity and also then i imagine that it would not just guarantee you the use, but then you're also able to, you'll be maintaining the that mm -hmm. property, assuming that it's all passed? Yep, that's mm -hmm. right. It would be our property. We'd maintain it the same way we do our current properties. In terms of anything else about the budget that, I I know there will be other opportunities for the public to hear about the budget, hear presentations, or, or you, can you uh, let us know the dates of those and, sure. and also where they might be able to find it online? Yeah, yeah. May 10th is the budget hearing, and usually that's over at Purcell. But we're going to have that over at the high school this year in the auditorium. That'll be on, on May 10th. Uh, and then, of course, the vote is the 17th of May uh, from noon to 9 p.m. at the President's Schools, Washington, Jefferson, and Lincoln. And um, 
I, I do hope that folks come out. We need we need people's support. Uh, oftentimes, uh, if people feel that a school budget is um, positive and makes sense and is to their liking, they tend to not come out to say yes. So we really do need you to come out and say yes and support our kids through these challenging times so that we can get them the supports that they need. Mm-hmm. Is the budget also available uh, to review on the school's website? Yeah, it should be on the school website. I can't tell you specifically uh, what the web page is, but if you go to jpsny.org, uh, there's, I'm sure, a budget tab that you can click on and find out all the information there. Mm-hmm. Any other information you'd like to share about the budget? Well, I just have been very pleased uh, in our community support of the school district. And I know that everyone has gone through this challenging um, pandemic time, which is hard to believe. I, I watched a documentary during while I was sick uh, about polio, and it was eerily similar to uh, what we've gone through here. Uh, with death rates and some confusion and with the shutting down of lots of public facilities and uh, a race to find some kind of cure or vaccine. And while we we don't have that for COVID, those things have had a significant impact on our society and will continue for many years to come. And I appreciate during this very challenging time, our community, our parents, our kids, our teachers, our staff, to be able to continue to support our school district so that our kids can have a bright future. Dr. Whitaker, thanks for being here with us today. Thanks so much for having me.